Hello! Hi. Welcome back to Sinister Sisters. <laughs> Hello! Welcome to the Fun Friday episode for this week. I am Kat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Shrimp! <laughs> and again, we appear to be in a silly, goofy mood this Fun Friday episode. Just in a silly, goofy mood. So silly. How do we normally introduce these? This feels extra awkward. I don't know. I don't know either. Well, welcome Hello everyone. and welcome back to Sinister Sisters. My name is Shrimp and this is Kat and we are going to tell you about something today that you're going to listen to and not complain about. Yeah! You're going to live <laughs> with us! <laughs> Whee! So, today... I am going to be talking Welcome about... Welcome back to my channel. Today I'm going to be doing Whoa. Get Ready. Sorry. <laughs> get silly out of the silly mood. goofy mood and get into okay. a focused listening mood. I probably have ADHD. I can't do that. Anyways. Same. Anyway. Let's get into it. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about the science behind video game addiction. This is an interesting topic to me because i know a lot of people who play a lot of video games mm -hmm. and so it's interesting to understand more where that comes from and you know at what point it is actually um considered to be an addiction so cool beans. i will start out by just giving like a quick overview of addiction in general um, and i will just note here that a lot of times when we're talking about um, a drug addiction we more modernly would say substance misuse disorder it seems that that sort of verbiage hasn't crossed over into the other sorts of categories of addiction that aren't substance related so um, i will be using the word addiction throughout but just i am aware that it's a little bit more appropriate to call them substance misuse disorders so okay yes Video game misuse disorders. Yeah, but that's not, that. That's like not how it's referred to anywhere. So no, and it sounds silly. So. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> much of the existing literature around addiction really focuses on the substance misuse side of things. It's kind of I think what we commonly think of when we think of addiction. But there is a lot of yeah. newer research showing that there are a wide variety of things that can cause addiction type of reactions or behaviors in people. And so we'll learn more about that, I'm sure, in the coming years. Yeah. So when substance misuse was first being researched and studied um, in the 1930s, the overwhelming view in society was that these behaviors came from some sort of moral failing or lack of willpower in the individual. Oh, gross. And when, when we were first researching and studying substance misuse, it, it often was viewed as some sort of moral failing. And so that was really the predominant idea in society as well, that uh, these behaviors didn't necessarily come from some sort of mental illness or, or that sort of thing, but they were really just something that an individual was doing wrong. That's gross. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But there has been tons of research done in in the years since the 1930s and now we really much better understand that you know there's lots of mental and brain processes that are going on and uh, we understand that addiction or substance misuse causes actual physical changes in your brain and oftentimes oh. the actions that are happening are more compulsive in nature and not really a choice right 
I'm glad we're there I now. Know. We're not still thinking people are weak. That's gross. I mean, there's still definitely a long way to go. There is a lot of misunderstanding, I would say, in society about substance yes. use. And also, say things like an alcohol misuse disorder is, is very difficult to overcome because alcohol is so deeply ingrained in society. And if you choose not to drink, yeah. like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation it, where you go out with some friends and you just don't feel like having a drink and they're all like, yes, oh, why? What's wrong? You know, and especially as women often, right. it's like, are you pregnant? Like, blah, blah, blah. And that's just, yeah, it's gross. You know, gross. sometimes we just don't want to poison ourselves for fun. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we do. And I can't drink anyways because of the medication that I take. Oh, yeah. And like, that has been a conversation with people like no i don't want to come to your party because i'm just going to be the only sober person mm. there well i can get you do you like apple ciders like yes i do but that's not the point the point yeah. is that i physically can't for my health yeah. like why are you trying to make me do something that's gonna make me ill anyways that's my tangent today it's, it's a very it's my interesting health. topic and i think that there is still some thought in the in society that there is some sort of like that moral failing piece comes in um, especially yeah, definitely. when you're talking more hard drugs. Um, a lot of people yeah. are not as understanding about those. <clears throat> yeah, that they did it themselves, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. People think that they did, but yeah. they didn't, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. don't understand. I wanted to clarify that. Yeah. It's a very multifaceted yeah. issue. But, um, definitely. Video game addiction would fall into a category called behavioral addictions or processing addictions. Um, so video mm -hmm. game addiction itself is not actually officially recognized in the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic manual that's used by the American Psychiatric Association. Um, it's kind of like okay. considered the gold star. There is other um, diagnostic manuals out there, but that's sort of the main one that's used especially in North America. And so essentially it's just a giant fat book with lists of all <laughs> sorts of uh, mental illnesses. It's split into different How categories. often do they update? Um, so the, the original version of the DSM-5, I think came out in the early 2000s. And then they do, oh. they do like reviews on it periodically. So um, they actually recently just did a review on it. So it's not an entire new manual, but they just look at things through different lenses. Um, and add things and yeah, stuff? They might add, they might take things away. Like, for example, in the DSM-4, being homosexual was considered a mental illness in that one. Or maybe the DSM-3, oh, one or the other. It was just recently taken out. So, yeah, there are some things that they'll add. They will take things out, depending on the new research that comes out. That's good. Yeah, so video game addiction has been put on they keep a list of conditions requiring further research so it has been put on mm. that list um there have been proposed criteria kind of put aside as to what would consider someone to have a video game addiction but it's just not officially integrated yeah. yet but we may well see it in maybe the next edition or the next yeah it's like being looked at all yeah over. yeah yeah and of course uh research on things like this often takes a really long time so yeah, yeah I, I would imagine that they'll come out with more information about it in the coming years, but it is something pretty new. Behavioral addictions are an official category, though. Gambling mm -hmm. addiction is the only officially recognized diagnosis within that category. Uh, but there are a list of others okay. that could potentially be in there, including 
obviously video game addictions. Behavioral addictions often follow a very similar pattern of behaviors as those substance misuse disorders. They often result in individuals neglecting other important things in their lives, such as relationships, employment, or self-care, in order to chase that, Mm. quote, high that is associated with the behaviors that they're engaging in. Some warning signs of a behavioral addiction include spending the majority of your time engaging in the behavior, thinking about or arranging to engage in the behavior, or recovering from the effects of engaging in the behavior, becoming dependent on the behavior as a way to cope with emotions and to feel, quote, normal, continuing despite physical and or mental harm, having trouble Mm -hmm. cutting back despite wanting to stop, neglecting work, school, or family to engage in the behavior more often, experiencing symptoms of withdrawal, for example, depression or irritability when trying to stop, and minimizing or hiding the extent of the problem from others. Okay. So video game addictions have been specifically of particular concern for parents, especially as we find that more and more games are targeted towards children. And there is some growing concern as to how video games may affect the brains of children. And so you know, there's some research being done on that topic. I think so it takes time. It takes time. And I think the the kind of main findings from a lot of the research is that it really depends on the person on an individual level mm. and other things that they have in their lives that would sort of prevent it from becoming an addiction. Right. So research. So it's like hard to put a, sorry, it's hard to put like a, yeah. a, a pin in it, you know, because yeah. it's very individually individualized. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like, all video games are bad for all children. It's like it could be. There's yeah. a number of factors that would go into why where it might be of concern. Great. That makes it so much easier. So fun and easy. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> so research shows that somewhere between 1 and 16% of people who play video games could fall into the category of having a video game addiction. But since the, the video game addiction itself isn't actually officially recognized in the DSM, what constitutes as an addiction will vary from place to place and from, you know, clinician to clinician if you're being assessed for yeah. it. What seems to be agreed on, however, is that um, it's not really important what the frequency of playtime of a game would be, uh, but the function that video games play in the person's life. If games are simply more of a recreational activity and they're taken part in when other tasks have been completed or as a way to sort of like do something of enjoyment after work say or mm. all that sort of yeah. thing decompress yeah it's not necessarily a need for concern at that point mm-hmm. however if video games are chosen in favor of other activities then we may be approaching an addiction especially if it's activities that would be good for you so you know things like cooking cleaning exercise spending time with your loved ones mm-hmm. then that might be coming to a point. going to work yeah exactly there are also other harmful effects that video games and video game overusage can um, have on individuals. So there is some research that suggests that there is increased aggressive thoughts and aggressive behaviors after playing video games, uh, particularly in children mm-hmm. under the age of 10. Increased risk of light-induced seizures, muscu- musculoskeletal disorders at the upper extremities, and increased metabolic rate. There is also a risk of reduced pro-social or cooperative behaviors in sort of in-person real-life social interactions. And we do also see sometimes increased ADHD symptoms and lowered mental health and cognitive functioning among people who are really playing games a lot. That's not good. No. 
Now, some skeptics of the possibility of video game addiction note that it's actually pretty rare for gamers to display symptoms of disorder, um, especially that withdrawal piece. Um, so if you quit playing, mm-hmm. you know, often see you know the physical withdrawals, especially, um, and also yeah. kind of increased tolerance need. So this leads some people to believe that what we are seeing as an addiction to video games could actually be a sign of something else, possibly depression, some avoidance mm-hmm. behaviors, or just a habit that someone has built for themselves that maybe isn't the healthiest. Yes. So I just want to note, okay. make a note here that by no means am I trying to portray video games as bad. You see a lot of the information I've just presented seems pretty doom and gloom but i do believe that there are you know some positive roles that video games do play in the lives of many people so yes. online gaming specifically was very very helpful during the pandemic for example uh, it helped people to both build and strengthen existing relationships that they had in you know regular life that you weren't able to see in person i did a lot of that during the pandemic playing sort of like co-op party games with friends because that's all we could do together We are also seeing some kind of emerging evidence that, or more recent studies that um, show that video games may actually have positive effects on the intelligence levels of children. Video games promote usage of skills like problem solving, critical thinking, decision making, active listening skills, and collaborative communication. Those skills can really be developed in the children that maybe potentially would be playing, and the adults, of course. And also, you know, video games are fun. People play them for a reason. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and so, um, you know, they can be a really good hobby. And especially for people maybe who are more introverted and who maybe wouldn't want to do some of the more traditional social activities, you know, like going out, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it really helps those sorts of people to have a hobby and to create some friendships in the online space that um, can be very real and legitimate and positive influences in their lives. Definitely. So what exactly makes video games so addicting? This is, um, again, very multifaceted, um, as most of this topic is. So first of all, I think it's important to note that the video game industry is massive. In 2020, it was estimated to be a $90 billion industry. Oh my god. Yeah. On average, $90 billion. $90 billion. Just huge. That's a lot. Yeah. And I think, I didn't write down the statistic, but I think I read that something like 95% of students, high school and elementary school students, play a video game of some sort every week. So very, very much ingrained in life in general. Yeah. On average, people who play video games play for about six hours per week. So, you know, I would say that's very much in the um, time frame of being a recreational activity. Other hobbies would take up that same sort of amount of time as well so yeah so i think important to note is that the smartphone has actually officially surpassed both computers and consoles as the leading video game device so video games are very much more accessible and available at your literally at your fingertips at all times literally yeah wherever you are because you always have a phone with you that was really interesting to me because i kind of don't like cell phone games (laughs) They're annoying. You have to watch a million ads. Yeah. But they are right? addictive. Or they feel addictive. Yes. Like, I hate cell phone games having to play, um, like, having to have yeah. energy to do things. Because I play The Sims a lot. And, like, The Sims Mobile, you need, like, energy or you have to, like, buy coins or whatever. Right. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> this is not, this is not what The yes. Sims is. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But I can definitely see. I played um, Best Fiends for a long time. And I just... It was so fun to, like, be able to connect Mm. the things. And when you get to another level... This episode was sponsored by Best Fiends. They were everywhere for a little while. Like, I feel like literally every influencer was sponsored by Best Fiends. Seemingly for no reason. Because I don't watch any video game youtubers or anything like that so me neither always came across on like the lifestyle influences the beauty sphere like well you don't actually play yeah like why are you promoting a cell phone anyway game? Yeah. that's a side note <laughs> that would be a good friday topic about influencer yeah. marketing and subliminal yeah. messages and things like that yeah definitely hmm. add that to the least mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> studies show that most people who would meet the criteria or the proposed criteria for a video game addiction are playing massive multiplayer online role-playing games so mmprpgs i think most people call them mmos to be honest with you so these are things like world of warcraft league of legends fortnite things like that so these games are actually fortnite <laughs> sorry <laughs> Um, these games <laughs> seem to be especially addictive as they essentially create this endless fantasy world, you know, specifically World of Warcraft and League of Legends, that allows yeah. you to live a totally different life completely online. They allow mm-hmm. the players to escape from reality and have that an opportunity to feel welcomed and valued in a community, which is something that they may not be experiencing in real life. Um, as i touched on earlier a lot of people build like some very real true friendships through these games and they feel a sense of pride in what they've accomplished you know guilds and things like that and so essentially battle royale (laughs) essentially (laughs) these online multiplayer games simulate a feeling of acceptance and success which either people aren't experiencing in their real life at all or as they invest more and more time into the game itself they can be moving away from those feelings in their real life. So then it starts to feel like, you know, the online world is the only place where they have that acceptance and and success. Um, We often find as well that games are often used by, games like this, sorry, um, are often used by individuals suffering from depression as you get to escape how you're feeling about yourself Mm. in the real world and become somebody different. There's also quite a strong correlation between anxiety disorders and video game addiction uh, but it's not really clear if the anxiety leads people to play video games or if the video games lead people to display symptoms of anxiety that's sad yeah. that whole part is sad i i think so too and i think that thought is perpetuated a lot in society as well like if you think of someone who plays world of warcraft you like kind of instantly think of somebody who's you know sort of like unkempt living in their mom's socially awkward like yeah that's not definitely not true like there are probably the majority of players are successful in their real lives but uh, right that simulation of the stereotype and that simulation of sort of instant success that you can get in a game can be um, somewhat detrimental yes video games are also literally designed to be addictive video game designers and manufacturers Mm. are looking to make their games as enjoyable as possible as this drives sales and it builds a community around their products. This is, mm-hmm. again, especially true for games like World of Warcraft or Fortnite. World of Warcraft features a monthly subscription cost, so the video game company wants people to be paying that that fee 
invested yeah interesting and i think yeah. it's quite a bit of money a month maybe 15 or 20 dollars a month right? oh yeah so you need like like a lot of interest in it to be able to justify yeah, paying exactly. that and then games like fortnite feature like they're free games but they feature in-app purchases and so again you want you would need to be fairly invested in a game to want to spend money on you know the way that your character looks or the way that your guns or whatever yeah. look in game and so that really mm-hmm. is the intent for the designers is to make the game as enjoyable as possible and also the right. creation of more people playing brings more people into the game right so yeah there are also a variety of features within video game design in general that makes video games inherently addictive so things like being able to beat your own high score or reaching a 100% completion rate in the game, beating your rivals or your friends. So this means that oftentimes you need to invest some substantial game time in order to grow your skills within the game so that you can get to that point, um, being better than your friend or whatever. Yeah. We find also that addictive behaviors change the dopamine receptors in your brain, so it changes the way that your brain actually works. So dopamine is Mm. the chemical associated with happiness and pleasure in your brain. And in other settings, it's most commonly associated with things like exercise, eating, and sex. (laughs) All of those can also become addictive. So repeated activation of the dopamine receptors dulls them. And so you actually need to give them more in order to get that same rush that you would have had in the beginning. So who is at most risk for developing a video game addiction? So it seems like there's sort of a category of people who are most likely to turn to video games. So people who are easily bored, have poor relationships with their family members, feel like outcasts at school, or tend towards sensation-seeking, are much more likely to be drawn into video games as they provide something that isn't easily available Mm. to them in the real world or in in real life. That could be something as simple as entertainment, you know, for those who are easily bored or enjoy more of a thrill. But then it it can also get very complex, you know, feelings of worthlessness or not having those strong relationships in the real world. Much more complicated aspects to address. Yeah. Yeah, it's, sad um, too. again, it, this might be a bit mm, intense, but it seems like capitalism is targeting vulnerable people <laughs> to make money, essentially. Yes. And again, yes, I don't think I that think video so. games are bad. I play video games. A lot of people, my friends play video games. Shrimp plays video games. Like, it's not a bad thing, I don't think. It's just, it, it, it uh, capitalism, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very complex thing, obviously. And and I would say most people don't have an issue with with quitting or stopping to do the things that they need to do. But um, obviously, the potential for addiction is out there. So yeah, just as a final note Mm -hmm. on the topic itself, I am going to list in the the show notes below some resources that you can access if you feel like you yourself are struggling with video game addiction or you have a loved one that you're concerned about and so that'll have some links that you can access some more supports or what maybe would work to help you overcome that if you feel like that's something that you'd like to change in your life yeah vibe my little helping hands i couldn't not include that (laughs) (laughs) you'll be the helping indeed not really but um, I'm pretty sure my last partner was addicted to video games, so this is this is interesting. He would get up at literally five o'clock in the morning and stay awake until um, 
wow. two, three in the morning. Every day. Um, every day. Didn't, would like, mm. he played sports, he played soccer, and he wouldn't go to games because he needed to get, I don't know, I don't know what game he was playing, but he needed to like unlock the next character or whatever. Huh. Interesting. To the point, like, we didn't, there was times that we didn't do anything outside of the house because he was playing video games. You know, Fortnite with the um, Battle Pass, maybe it's called? Yeah. And there's, like, seasons of Fortnite, and you have to play a certain amount of hours. Yes. Or something to be, like, have enough XP or whatever. (laughs) The days coming up to that switch, when it went from, like, season four to season five or whatever, was, like like we didn't talk he ate cereal or popcorn only like i had to do everything by myself because he didn't want to leave the house like he was literally on Fortnite for most of the day actually all day to be able to get that battle pass like like the next season or whatever did he not go to work then Mm, not for the past like seven or eight months or the last seven or eight months of our relationship no he didn't oh wow before that, he did work. His shift was 7 to 3.30, 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. And he would get home at like 3.45-ish. And he would play video games from 3.45 sometimes to 2 or 3 in the morning. Wow. So he was getting two hours of sleep. But it was just so important that that battle pass was fulfilled or the next level was you know, ready or his character was whatever. Wow. Yeah. It's intense. It was. Absolutely. Yes. I want to take a nap. So. Well, thank you, friends, for <laughs> listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Yes. You can find us on Instagram <laughs> at yes. sinistersisters.podcast. You can yes. send us an email at sinistersisterspod at gmail.com. Yes, please. And you can find that information that I mentioned as well as our case request form down below that you can use to request cases or topics that you would like to hear from us about. So either for our true crime episodes or our Fun Friday episodes, anything that you'd like to yes. know. We'd like to provide... Thank Thank you you. for tuning in. Bye. Bye.